0: The Power Zone Sports Podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our Bay Area Realtor. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Larry Bird's not walking through that
0: door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback.
1: The kick. It is.
0: beat to the man! you got to beat the man! The 2-1. Swung line drive, let's see you! One run again!
1: Right? Yeah. Here comes Reed! Here's the throw to the plate! He is! Lions yeah. nice. nice nice win! Lions nice win! Lions nice win! win! Nice.
0: Nice win! This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Okay, welcome in to our Powers on Sports 2023 NFL Draft Preview. I appreciate you finding us. I'm your host Jason down here in Tampa Florida it is NFL draft weekend boy before we get to Thursday do we have some big news uh obviously the breaking news early in the week Aaron Rodgers finally traded to the New York Jets the trade is an official is official finally the Jets and Packers swap first round picks in the first round this year 13 and 15. The Jets give up their number two pick that they acquired, uh, a second number two pick they acquired. They send that to the Green Bay Packers. I think they swap fifth and sixth round picks. And in 2024, the Jets give up a number two conditional pick to the Green Bay Packers, which can turn into a number one pick if Rodgers plays, I think, 65% of the plays this year. Interesting that there's no mandate or condition based on whether Aaron Rodgers were to retire. So basically, no matter what, Green Bay's getting a number two pick. And obviously, if if, if Rodgers doesn't get hurt this year, that pick will turn into a number one uh, next year for the for the Green Bay Packers from the New York Jets. So the trade is finally official. Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jets. No more no more dancing around. The Jets can now focus on their draft prospects. Green Bay knows what they're going to be able to do uh, with ammunition and such in the draft. So, very interesting. In the last two years, the Green Bay Packers have traded away Devonte Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers. Boy, a major changing of the guard in Green Bay. You're going to see uh, obviously Jordan Love. It's going to be his opportunity here. He's, he's in year four. They need to know. They need to know what Aaron, Jordan Love can be potentially because remember they have to exercise their fifth year option on him sooner rather than later. And that's a very expensive option. I would expect green Bay to do that. So you were going to, we're going to get get a, a glimpse into the future for Jordan love as the Jordan love era has begun in green Bay. You got some good young talent in green Bay at, at the skill positions. Uh, you got Watson, you got Romeo Dobbs, you got good running backs, Uh, Defensively, again, we'll see where they're at. Defensively, they struggled at the end of the year last year, but we will see. But again, Jordan Love will be the man in Green Bay. As for the Jets, obviously you pair up Aaron Rodgers. you got Garrett Wilson. you got Brees Hall coming off a knee injury. I think the Jets will be looking at tight end potentially in the draft. Offensive line in the draft, you need to shore up that offensive line. Uh, You've got a good defense over there. A lot of good players on defense right now, but you got to shore up the offensive line and maybe add one more skill player uh, to the mix for Rodgers. So, uh, if you're a New York Jet fan, you got to be ecstatic. You haven't been this excited in forever, but um, that's the uh, crux of the Aaron Rodgers trade. Again, NFL Draft Preview. We've got a great uh, spot with you with Luke Easterling, NFL Draft Analyst with Athlon Sports. He covers the draft 12 months a year. He covers the NFL twelve months a year. He's, he's been doing he's been a draft analyst for several years, several di- different outlets, media outlets, and he does a great job breaking it down. We're going to talk lots of stuff with Luke. Strategies: What are coaches thinking? How do they evaluate guys? The quarterback situations: A couple pivot points in the first round that could determine where guys go. Will one of the will the one or two of the quarterbacks fall in the draft, and how does that affect things? So a lot of good stuff. Again, this is a uh, not not the not the deepest draft in the world. Most uh, most people think most of the guys you hear talking about the draft think this is a very good draft. Rounds two through five, a lot of depth, but not a, not a ton of absolute superstars at the top end of the first round. But uh, we will see what we'll, we will hear Luke's thoughts on that. What he thinks about the strengths of the draft, you will hear his, his, his again, this is all he does, so his opinion matters. He will be uh, giving you good insight on what positions are really strong in this draft, what positions are not as strong, uh, what team again, what teams th- are thinking as far as how they evaluate their players, set up their boards, and all kind of great stuff, so you'll enjoy Luke Easterling. Following Luke, I'm going to give you my top 10, how I think the top 10 is going to go, one through 10. Of the uh, draft on Thursday night in Kansas City. Remember, first round Thursday night, second and third rounds on Friday, and then four through seven on Saturday. So, uh, for all from Kansas City, ESPN, NFL Network, ABC, we'll have all the different coverages of the draft from different perspectives. So, you will enjoy that if you're an NFL, uh, you know. Nerd to some to some degree. This is a great three days for you. You're going to hear a lot of names that you've heard in the college game the last several years. Whether it's SEC players, Pac-12 players, Big Ten players, you're going to hear some obscure guys from small schools, Division II. Uh, you know, uh, uh, HBCU school players will get drafted as well. So, players from all over the country will be drafted in this draft. Guys that we've all heard of, very productive guys. And there'll be some guys that we've heard a lot of that don't get drafted. So um, enjoy the draft. Enjoy Luke Easterling. And remember, if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform. We're here every week for you Powers on Sports podcast on Twitter at JPO Sports. Enjoy the coverage and enjoy Luke Easterling. Now, a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to be a first time home buyer looking to upsize or even downsize your current? property situation, reach out to Jason Powers at Titan Home Lenny 205-790-1404, anywhere in the state of Florida. Let's get you pre-approved, figure out how much money how much house you can afford, whether it's an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo loan, even bank statement loans if you're self-employed, we can help you. You need to buy, you wanna build a home. We got a new construction loan available for you. Are you looking to renovate your home? There are renovation loans available and we are experts in the renovation loan, it part of the uh, home financing business. Reach out to me, Jason Powers, from Miami to Orlando to Jacksonville in Pensacola and anywhere in between reach out to me at Titan Home Lending where my loan gets you into your home. All right, welcome in to the powers on sports podcast. And again, as it's it is draft week in Kansas City. Draft starts Thursday night. We'll run through Saturday. And we are giving you a draft preview special here on the Powers on Sports Podcast. And we've got a great draft analyst for you. Luke Easterling covers the NFL draft for Athlon Sports. He's a uh, very dialed in to numerous teams around the league. He's been covering the national football. That's all he does. He covers the National Football League and the NFL draft. And he's, had, he's done a great job over the years doing it. And uh, you will hear Luke all throughout the week, all throughout the uh, different media outlets, talking about draft players, positions, what GMs are thinking and such. And with no further ado, we will really... And We are really fortunate to have Luke Eastling with us from Athlon Sports. Appreciate you joining us, Luke. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Sorry, I wasn't a very good intro there, Luke. I need to, need to do better. Hey, I've
1: been on your side, man. It's not. <laughs> I've been. i I've, not, I've had my my share, my fair share for sure. <laughs>
0: All right, Luke. So again, Luke covers the NFL head to toe, twenty four. You know, twelve months a year, three hundred sixty five days a year. Give me a little sense of your yourself. How'd you, how'd you get into this profession and make kind of the NFL draft your your thing to do that you really love to do?
1: I mean the 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 quick answer is I did it for free for a long time, and I was like really nice to a lot of people who helped out and uh, and uh, and reached back uh, from down from up the ladder and and helped me up, man. But I mean, to be honest, it's been a, a passion project since I was a kid. I mean, this is something I've always kind of preferred the college game to the NFL game. But I was always I loved seeing the guys that I watched on Saturdays playing on Sundays when they made that jump. And so obviously the natural progression as you're growing up as a kid is like, well, how does that process work? So I I remember being, you know, in middle school and kind of starting to understand what the drive. I remember reading dr z's mock drafts in the back yep. of sports illustrated when those yep. would come out so the fact that the fact that i have an si email address now like if you had to go back and tell my <laughs> my like 12 year old self that that was going to be true uh man i just wouldn't believe you so it's it's so cool to be a part of the arena group uh with si.com and athlon and, and all the stuff i get to do there it's it's so cool but for me it's something that i just got into at a young age i i did my best to to ask people i mean i I'd ask anybody for any sort of advice, any kind of help. Um I worked in newspapers when I was younger and and got to learn the the journalism capital J side of things, but it was also at a time when, you know, the internet stuff was starting to take over and so being in that place as that whole industry started to overhaul and change, I feel like I I learned so much valuable stuff from the the print and newspaper side and got to be kind of on the cutting edge as all that other stuff was changing on the digital side that it really helped me develop a, a well-rounded approach to that type yeah. of work so I just I stayed involved I was obsessed with the draft uh, every year and every every year I was always trying to look for a new opportunity and 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 again meeting new people and you know social media had a lot to do with that in a positive way um, thankfully for me meeting a lot of people making relationships in this business I think I've written for pretty much every major entity that you can imagine at this point I've been at Bleacher Report I've been at Fan Sided. I've written for Draft Breakdown and Scout and MSN like there's so many I feel like I've had a cup of coffee yep. at like all these different places and and learned so many great things that um you know I don't know I just I I grinded for for a good bit and and I'm just so grateful to be where I am now after 7 great years at USA today uh doing Bucks Wire and the Draft Wire that was such an awesome experience and so now Loving things at Athlon, loving some of the stuff I'm going to be doing stuff for si.com during the draft. Um, But it's just you know, I'm, I didn't I'm realize until I went to the... looking, looking back at my 14 year old self doing mock drafts on on MS Word that nobody read. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a hell of a journey. It's been pretty. Yeah, fun.
0: definitely go to athlonsports.com. You'll see a ton of content from Luke and in, in his and his partners that over there draft. Whether it's NFL draft, whether it's gambling stuff related to the NFL draft, all kind of. All right. In this draft, 2023 draft, give me a couple positional strengths of the draft. What positions that are strong? Give me a couple positions that are maybe not as strong that, that maybe the average fan doesn't realize. Corners. Got to start with the corners, man. That's so deep.
1: I think I have nine or ten corners in my top 50 okay. overall prospects, which is just ridiculous. Um, I love the top of the class. There's three or four guys that if they're the first off the board, it makes sense and I love the depth. I I think there's going to be guys, there's only so many picks, right? So there's only so many of those corners that will go as high as I have them graded. And if you're picking at the top of the third round, there's still going to be guys that are starting caliber players, I think still on the board there for you. So um, I think the edge class is really strong. I think there's a lot of pass rushers. Obviously you have the top talent. You got guys like Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson in this draft, but the depth is ridiculous, man. You're going to have guys on the board in the second and third rounds again, that, uh, that just shouldn't be because there's just uh, there's not enough picks to to go around. I think the tight end class is pretty strong. The yep. quarterback class is interesting because we have some, some blue-chip talent at the top. We got some intriguing wild-card guys that are still going to go in the first round, and I think it's a giant jump off of a, a very steep cliff after those top five guys into the rest of this group. So the quarterbacks, will that make those guys all come off the board a lot earlier? Because teams know that if I don't get one in the first round, I probably shouldn't take one until the fifth or sixth. I don't know if that'll impact things. The linebacker class is not great. Again, there's some some decent guys in the middle rounds, but there's not, you know, I don't have a, a single first round grade on any off ball linebacker, inside linebacker in this draft at all. So I got some some seconds that I think are, are pretty good. Okay. Um, But at linebackers, I don't have any first round picks on a safety in this draft. So again, safety is not, not a great class. Again, some intriguing guys for the second, third round, fourth round but just nobody that stands out and really, uh, really yeah. takes the cake at the top of that class. And the one thing I'll mention about the receiver class is interesting is all the best guys are tiny. There's like, no, you got Quentin Johnston from TCU is is big. And then Cedric Tillman, maybe Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, the rest of really the top 10 for most people in this class, they're all sub six foot and they're all sub like one eighty five. Slot think, guys, uh, slot guys. Yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba is taller, but he's kind of skinny too. And, I mean, you got Marvin Mims Jr. from Oklahoma, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, Zay Flowers from Boston College, Josh Downs yep. from North Carolina. All of these guys are small. Even Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee. Foot, yep. But he's 184. Yeah. You know, he's, right. he's a little smaller. So there's so many guys that it's just, it's one of those receiver classes that teams are going to have to get over. Anybody that still thinks in order to be a number one receiver, you have to be 6'3, 6'4, and 220. Like that's dead. It go- it's gone now. You have got to understand that there are more ways to win as a receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if Zay Flowers is the number one receiver for most people. He's number two for me to Smith and Jigba. He's five eight. Right. But you have to be okay with that because he is so good at everything that actually matters when it comes to playing receiver, the route running, the, the hands, the short area quickness to get in and out of breaks, the intelligence to set up defenders, whether it's in zone or man. All those things is how you actually play the receiver position at a right. high level. So the fact that he's not six three, I'd rather have a five eight guy that can do what he can do well than a six three guy who has no clue what he's doing with it. You know what I
0: mean? I got gotcha. you. All right, in a given year, we all you know we all all the average Joe fans when they're watching ESPN and all the different outlets that we all watch to get our information. Oh, so-and-so can be a first-round pick. We've got him graded. There, I- I- Invariably, there's 50 gu- fifty guys that are graded yeah, as first-round pick. Yeah, round 50 picks.
1: guys are going in the first round every year. No yeah, chance.
0: 50 guys. <laughs> in your world, in a given year, whether it's you, your ratings and or your conversations with guys around the league, how many guys truly have first-round grades? Never a 32,
1: ever. Um, it doesn't happen very often, if at all. So for me, like this year – I've got 23, I think, 23 first round grades, which is decent. Okay. I think yeah. that's pretty, you know, any team that I think has more than 20, I think is pretty happy with the class. I would be shocked if most teams have as many as I have. I'm a little more generous, I think, with with my the way I do things. I would be very surprised if, if any team has more than 20 uh, in okay. this class. But again, that's, that's not abnormal. That's not right. abnormal. And I know that it, you know, it, it's easy to think, well, there's 32 first round picks 31 this year. Thanks Miami. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you don't just because you have 32 first round picks doesn't mean there's going to be 32 guys worth those picks. That's just the way it goes. So you have your system grading system, whatever you use to determine that there's only going to be a, a certain amount of guys. And and this gets us into the difference between what teams do and what I do, you know, the media has to look at this and in a. In a a very macro way right that you know i'll do a board every year where there's top 300 guys nobody in the nfl does that because they have very specific variables very specific things based on their coaching their schemes the the threshold system want. right yeah their research into the the background of these guys and the off-field stuff and yeah. health and medicals and so many different things half of which we don't get access to in the media and right. rightly so that's none of our business that's you know it, it's the way it works so when it comes down to what team, when teams build a board, most teams' boards are one hundred and fifty tops, and a lot of them are smaller than that because there's there's only certain players that are going to fit. This is what a Tampa Bay Buccaneers cornerback looks like. Right. If it's not, if he's not this tall and this good at this, and there's like we're not even going to bother. It's a waste of. There's there's only so many so many hours in the day. We so, many, so much money guys. to spend
0: on the scouting.
1: Yeah, you know, so it's it doesn't work the way it does for the teams that it does in the media. There's 32 very different ways of doing this whole process that are going on across the league that are very different from the way we do it in the media. So that's, that's why you end up with not 32 first round grades for any team, because they're like these 18 guys have a first round grade for what we want and what we do as a team. And if all 18 of those guys are gone before you pick, that's when teams get nervous and they're like, I'd really love to move back. I don't want to take a second round player at 21. I'd rather take a second round player at 28 or 34. And- Even if it's not the same guy, he's close enough and I'd rather get better value. That's that's why you see so much movement, I think, on the back end or when you don't because it is a deep class or there is a guy that falls to you and you're like, sweet, he was our 17th guy and he fell to us at 29. Sometimes that happens and teams are really happy about it.
0: And from an economics perspective, you'll wonder why does a team trade from 27 to 35? It's because first round money costs a lot more for a first round guy than it does a second round pick. You might save four or five million bucks over the course of a contract.
1: It's true. And they get the same guy They basically get the same player. And depending on the position that works the other way, too, that's why you see so many teams trying to trade into the first round to grab quarterbacks in particular, because you get that extra fifth year option guy like Lamar Jackson, they move up and get him at 32, right? They get the fifth year option, which locks you in and delays that second contract for another year. Um, So it can go both ways. But you're right, there's a huge financial aspect to that as well.
0: What are a couple of traits that you, when you're doing your analysis, what are a couple of traits that you really, that are really important to you when you're evaluating guys?
1: You know, it, it comes with, um, it comes with experience it, and it comes with every, every year when I get to the end of a draft cycle, I try to look back and self scout, right? And so what parts of the process and the way I do things haven't worked out well, I'll be honest and say back in uh, 2014 there was a wide receiver that I was I, I liked, but I wasn't as high on as, as some teams were because the, the routes that he ran in college just weren't complex. It was very two or three routes, quick hitch, a go ball, jump ball. You're just better than everybody else and you can just jump over them. I was really obsessed back then with, I want to see a complete route tree. I want you to see, you know, see all these different routes you're running, this complex stuff. And that lesson when uh, the Bucs took Mike Evans at number right. seven overall was don't get hung up on that all the time. And, and really it's, it's one of my core values at this point is don't get hung up on what a player was asked to do in college and let that determine whether or not you think he's capable of more at the next level. Um, Houston had Ed Oliver lining up at nose tackle for God's sakes. And and Bud Dupree at Kentucky was lining up as a defensive tackle half the time (laughs) instead of playing on the edge. So, you know, these college teams, Go back and look at Justin Herbert at Oregon. Justin Herbert right. looks much more comfortable as an NFL quarterback than he yes. looked at Oregon because of the offense he's in. So uh, th- again, I-, I say that to say, it's always changing for me. I'm always trying to evaluate gaps in my process that, that teach me a little bit, something a little bit newer. And, and so when it comes down to that, I look at what actually matters when it comes to playing football. Again, we talked about it with the receiver class. I-, I don't care as much anymore if you're six, three, if you can't use it effectively, I don't care if because we automatically assume oh you're a tall guy you're a jump ball winner. Not always. One of the best right. contested catch wide receivers I ever watched on film was Brandon Cooks when he was coming out of Oregon State. Right, Brandon Cooks, little guy, tiny. He's small, but he plays bigger than that because he maximizes what he has: competitiveness, leaping ability,
0: leverage, to, body position. Get this ball from you, right? It
1: didn't matter that he was five ten, five eleven. He played way bigger than that, so a lot of it is just again it's it's real football stuff the athleticism matters to a point you know the intangible stuff the leadership and, and now we're getting into stuff again as a media member i don't have a bunch of zoom interviews with every you know all these different right. prospects i don't get into their medical records and i did not interview their middle school teacher you know right. I, all these teams go through a lot a lot of work to to dive into this stuff so for me i try to base this stuff on what can i see what do I know, and what do I don't know? <laughs> what do I not know? What 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 can I not see? And try not to just get hung up on that stuff and say, hey, what do I see as a football player? What do I think translates to the next level? Another lesson I learned uh, the hard way was with OJ Howard. OJ Howard, incredible athlete, no injury history, well-rounded player who can block. Never really got asked to catch the ball a lot, but he 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 can do it. The Clemson, good National hands, pretty decent. Game, he, yeah, he blew out. But the thing I got hung up on there is that I never really paid enough attention to how he looked when he catched when he caught the ball. And and when you saw when he made the transition to the next level, that was always a struggle for him. It didn't look like he was naturally comfortable catching the right. football when it came his way. And that that played out, unfortunately, with the way his career went. Right. And compare that to a guy like Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts coming out was very similar player, big, tall, versatile athlete, a tight end but Kyle Pitts looked like a wide receiver. He looked so comfortable catching the football. Yep. So that's again it's it's isolating things that that I missed before and understanding how 3 years down the road you can look back and say, "Ah, I misread that. Let me let me change things. Let me evaluate that a little differently moving forward."
0: Here's an interesting question for you about philosophies of these teams. Some teams have we're taking the best player on the board philosophy strategy throughout the draft. Other teams are much more of a need-based drafters. And obviously you see the variations in success levels of these different drafts. What is your thought process on best player versus team need? And how do you, how do you balance that trickiness?
1: You know, I I think it's not as simple as one or the other. I I think it's always, I think every team wants to take the best player available that we actually need in some way, right? Right. That's what everybody would prefer to do and try to find the, the best nexus of that the problem is that doesn't happen all the time very often and what you have to do is and again sometimes this is different from where you are as a franchise right some teams have to to lean towards need and some teams can afford to lean towards talent and value right look at a team like philly right now right philly can do whatever the hell they want philly has a top 10 pick they got from somebody else Philly has a, a 30th pick. They got a second rounder. What do they actually need? They don't need anything enough to reach for it. So they can literally do whatever they want. They could take B. John Robinson at 10. I don't think they will. I don't think that's the way they think from my experience right. with them. Right. But if they wanted to, why not? Because there's nothing else. You know, they could use some corner depth. They could use another edge rusher. They love to reload the trenches, the right? Trench, they take yeah. offensive lineman just because. That's yeah. the way they like to draft. But my point is because where they are as a franchise, their their roster is so talented. They have a franchise quarterback they just locked up. There's no spot where they feel like, ah, oh, we've got to do this. So they can afford to lean towards the talent. You've got some teams that, and again, whether right or wrong, if you're a GM who's on the hot seat and you've got a head coach who might be on the hot seat, you you will feel compelled, rightly so or not, to not necessarily just take the best player at a position that he might not get on the field right away, as opposed to a guy who might not be quite as good of a player, but you know he's gonna help you save your job this season. Right. That's the that's where it gets challenging for some of these, these decision makers because it's very specific to where you are as a franchise, where the decision makers are in their careers and what, what their job is on the line or not. It's it's it, again, it's just like the rankings. There are 32 individual ways in which this process is approached. Uh, by these teams and so we we, there's no broad brush you can paint over all of it in terms of best player available or picking for need is 32 different ways of looking at it and some teams get it right more often than others and you see them continue to be successful as a franchise and and it's easier to do that when you've had success doing that because then you can just keep reloading Um, but some of these franchises where there's always so much turnover there's there if you're constantly turning things over in the coaching ranks, your ch- your schemes are constantly changing. Right. So a like, guy oh, you took in the second round two years ago doesn't fit anymore. So now what do you do with it? And you kind of burn that pick. So there's so many variables to it, man. Which is part of why this this process is just so intriguing.
0: All right, listening to Luke Easterling, NFL draft analyst with Athlon Sports here on the Powers on Sports podcast. We're review we're previewing the NFL draft, which will start on Thursday night in Kansas City. All right, let's go to talent versus character issues. You get a lot of these guys in this draft that have some off the field issues, whether it's just maturity issues, whether it's, you know, more, more, more indiscretions than we even know about. Cause again, the media, we hear some things, but these NFL teams dig very deep into these guys' backgrounds. What is your thought? Jalen Carter's the, the prime example this year, top, top, top five talent, off the field issues. How do you handle how do you how do you handle that as an evaluator as GM of these teams?
1: For me, for the most part, I don't handle it because so much of it is not something that I can know for sure. So so that, you know, it's a difficult place for me to put myself in and say, based on what the news has reported, based sure. on this rumor from this source or this guy, for me to to knock a player down and rank him differently because of something I heard or something that was reported a certain way that feel I feel like uncomfortable doing that just personally for me. So unless it's something that is like, like painfully obvious and like, Factual, you, just, know you know, that happens. Yeah. You know, things that we've seen happen in front of our eyes that we're not like, then we'll have a, I'll have a conversation about how to evaluate that and how to compare that. But I mean, if we're going to talk about Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, what we know of what happened in that situation is just not something I'm comfortable saying. I'm gonna, you know, he's number two overall for me right now. I'm gonna put okay. him at twelve because of off-field concern. I, right. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So all right, here's
0: what I'll say about Jalen Carter, though. He went to his pro day workout and couldn't finish. He wasn't in shape. That part of that part of the process. That- the, and again, that's different.
1: That that is an on-field issue to me. That okay. is a that is a situation, a preparation, conditioning. Those are on-field issues to me. How do that's you handle not, that? He has a character problem, or right. you know, some guys heard that in the locker room he's not as much of a. I, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. I'm not right. going to do that to a kid, okay. unless it's something that I can factually verify. So I'm, you know, even. Again, the guys at the top of my profession who have a lot more contacts than I do, I'm not saying they're even wrong in doubting the veracity of the information that they're getting from the sources they know. I'm saying for me, I'm not going to base my evaluations on hearsay, even if it's coming from those guys, because I don't feel comfortable doing that. So for a guy like Carter, again, focus on what I can see. I can see that he showed up to the pro day and didn't look like he was very well prepared. That part is an on-field issue to me that I think can... can it can impact the evaluation because you see it on film sometimes too even in the games he's getting gassed he's not on the field in in certain clutch moments because he's you know the conditioning is not there that's a concern and that's gonna that's gonna factor into what I'm doing I don't see that as an off-field issue I see that as something that can be verified because I I see it happen on the field I saw it right in front of me so
0: Interesting that some some teams will take guys completely off boards with issues and other teams are very okay w- with their research and they know, hey, he did X, Y, and Z and we know this, but we think we can fix him. Right. What is your thought process and just that mentality of these coach- these organizations? Again, 32 very
1: different ways of doing it, right? And again, a lot of it, who do you have in your building? Do you have leadership in the locker room? Do you have leadership in the coaching staff? Do you have resources organizationally that can help these guys with some of these things that they're dealing with and going through so if you have you feel like you have the resources and a lot of these teams you some of them have a track record the reason we're talking about Jalen Carter not getting past Seattle at five is because Pete Carroll's regime his his experience in Seattle shows and even going back to USC right that he's able to to help guys that need some help and help them become the best versions of themselves on and off the field. He feel we feel like that's a match that makes sense because he's proven to have a success story, uh, you know, in in that way. So, again, thirty two different teams going to have very thirty two different processes. And again, a lot of that information that informs those decisions, even if it's not research, it's just interviews, sitting down across from a guy and having conversations, asking him, "Hey, what happened here?" And how they respond to that can influence whether or not they're like, okay, this is a guy we want in the building or not. And again, all of that stuff, we don't see it. We don't get to see 99% of that. We get to hear about it from certain sources. But at the end of the day, that's part of the equation where we'll always get to the end of the draft and be like, oh, man, I can't believe so-and-so fell this far and come to find out he had an ankle surgery that we didn't know about. But teams did, so he fell for a reason, because everybody was aware of something that we weren't in the media. It happens all the time. So that's just one of those things you can almost
0: for the media
1: in retrospect is something we can only see with hindsight.
0: Let's go to the quarterbacks. How do you have your quarterbacks ranked? Yeah.
1: Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are one, two, and they're real close. Um, if Carolina took one or the other, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think they're both worthy. Um, I think whoever that guy is that doesn't get picked first should be picked second by Houston. I'm not sure if that's the way it's going to go or not, Right, um, but Stroud and Young are the two, you know, can start day one and can be high level franchise quarterbacks, regardless of situation. I think those two guys have what it takes to do both of those things. After that, you got a bunch of wild cards. You got three guys that for different reasons are really boom or bust, right? Anthony Richardson is the next guy on that list because I think he has the most potential. I think his athleticism, the arm talent, and I really don't think he gets enough credit for his pocket presence, his ability to maneuver in a messy pocket, stay poised and still make a throw down the field. He's not just, people see these quarterbacks all the time like, oh, you run a 4 3, so you must take off and run every chance you get. That's not Anthony Richardson. The tape right. does not say that at all. He's very comfortable being patient, maneuvering in the pocket when it's messy and still and throwing the ball, the ball down from the, the field. pocket. Yeah, you know, he's very good at that. So I don't want people to get. I don't know. Some of these narratives just get out of hand sometimes with a certain type of quarterback and people think, oh, this is the way it is. It's not. Anthony Richardson is a really good pocket passer. He's very comfortable in the pocket. Needs to be more accurate and you need to have more experience. You'd like to see more experience, but you can't get that if you don't. You know, he is what he is. So he's the guy that I'm most confident in. If I had to take a risk at quarterback in this draft, he's the guy that I'm saying at least he's got a chance to be special because of those physical traits. Uh, And again, because I don't think he gets enough credit for in the pocket. After that, Hendon Hooker is the next guy for me. And it's just because the only reasons we're having a problem with him is he's 25 and he's coming off a torn ACL in November. Maybe you're concerned about their offense at Tennessee because it is kind of weird. They run these really weird wide splits where they're stretching the field like crazy and it kind of makes things as easy as possible on the receivers. And it's not that the offense didn't ask him to make a bunch of different full field reads. It's, as he put it, it's not my fault that they can't cover my number one. Yeah, <laughs> That's that's what his response was at the combine. I mean, it's like, you're concerned about the reads. He's like, it's not my fault they can't cover Jalen Hyatt. And he's right. wide open the first time I look at him. Like, I'm not going to look for number four just to make you guys happy. You know, so maybe you're concerned about the reads and the offense. But for me, when he was healthy, I mean, he was the Heisman front runner for most of the season. He was, he was. dominating. Go back and watch that Alabama game and tell me that guy isn't a franchise quarterback. So if we're talking about, he's 25 so what 25 is the new 20 when it comes to quarterbacks because you're going to give him a new contract at 29 30 and he's still going to be
0: playing another six seven years probably he can play six seven years i'm
1: fine with that so it just comes down to the medicals as long as he's healthy i i take him ahead of will levis because i think he has more potential and i think he's got a higher floor even if he's healthy levis is is the the hard one for me because you see a guy who off the bus as they say looks like an nfl quarterback right he's got the size the strength he's a tough guy he's a competitive guy i think coaches will really like that type of guy um and he's got obviously a rocket for an army he's a pretty good athlete too he can move he can run but just the consistency man i mean we wanted to see he couldn't get ahead of sean clifford at penn state to start with and then he ends up at kentucky yep 2021 had some flashes and you saw some potential, which is why everybody was talking about him. but he was really inconsistent with the accuracy and the decision-making. And you were like, okay, 2022 is his chance to clean all that up. Right. And to kind of progress into that franchise quarterback. It didn't happen. He was very much the same guy. I know he's banged up a little bit. I know he lost some talent on the offense. So he's he's working with a, a lesser of a support supporting cast there, but yep. you just didn't see the progression that you were hoping to see from Levis. And you kind of wonder, Can he make that progression at the next level when it didn't happen in college? I think, again, some of the physical tools are there. I just, I don't know. I don't know about him enough. He's the guy in that top five that I'm least comfortable with. If I come out of this draft, spending my top pick on a quarterback and he's the guy he's the guy I'm most uneasy about.
0: What are G We're, we're recording this on Monday morning between now and Thursday. I would assume most of the boards are set. Most of the research has been done, all the, you know, stacking of who's, who's positioned, where, what are GMs doing around the league these next three days? Are they kind of, are they mapping out the scenarios of what, if this happens, who do we call to maybe move up, move down? What are GMs and organizations doing in these three day period here?
1: I mean, we all saw draft day, right? They're talking about pancakes and uh birthday parties, <laughs> right? They're, they're, they're telling stories about guys not showing up at birthday parties. That's what they're doing. Um, No, it's, it's a lot of procedural stuff. Now it's a lot of, this is how we make the call. This is what we're doing. You know, this is what you're in charge of. These are going to be the conversations we have on the board. You know, they go through all the different mock draft scenarios. This is probably a time when they're going through last minute. Hey, if this is the way let's take Tampa Bay, for example, if this, if the top 18 picks go this way, what are we going to do? If they go this way, what are we going to do? What are we going to, and Jason light said this word for word the other day, he's, They go through scenarios with what what are we comfortable with giving up to move up to this pick, that pick, that pick, that pick. So that's all done when you get on the clock and you get in the moment. You don't have to think about it. If somebody offers you and says, hey, move up to here, if it's within your range, you make the deal and you move on and go. So that's all of those I's are getting dotted. Those T's are getting crossed this week. And you're just hoping that nothing bad happens at the last minute, you know, in terms of the prospects, you're hoping everybody stays safe healthy and, yep. healthy and out of trouble. And is, is, cause at the end of the day, I think everybody's rooting for everybody in this, right? Everybody wants everybody to right. fulfill their dreams and be happy and succeed and all that. So I think GMs, again, just dotting the I's, crossing the T's, trying to make sure they're prepared for every eventuality they can be, because obviously chaos ensues on draft week and you want to be as prepared as possible to respond to it uh, in real time.
0: And I think that's what they're trying to focus on these last few days. What do you think is the pivot spot in the first round as far as, especially the quarterbacks, what, what spot in the, in, the, in the round do, if, if a certain guy gets past this point, does everybody's antennas go up a little bit? Maybe people that are in the bottom half of the first round.
1: I think there are multiple inflection points, right? The first one is at two, because a few weeks ago, we felt like it was young and Stroud, Stroud and young. Now it's definitely young at one. Yeah. And we have no clue at two. Right. So two is, we we thought it was three, right? We thought it right. was quarterback, Arizona. quarterback. And then whoever wants to move up with Arizona at three to get ahead of, of Indy yep. to get whoever the next guy is feels like that's not a sure thing anymore. So two is the first one. After that, I think it's probably eight because you've got the Raiders at seven who could go quarterback. You really Seattle and, and Detroit yeah. are intriguing quarterback spots because they have their veteran guy, but you could see them taking a Richardson. Right. You see them taking maybe a Levis if they want to develop a guy for the future. And they can they can afford to do that because these are playoff teams that are picking that high because of someone right.
0: else. So they can afford that, right? Back so if- to your comment about the luxury of need versus exactly, best player.
1: Exactly. You always need a franchise quarterback of the future. They have one yeah. now, but they don't <laughs> right. have one for the future. And so you can take that guy if you want. And the next one is 11. You know, 11, if Tennessee is still at 11 and there's a quarterback still on the board and they take him, then I mean, those 11, 12, if the Texans don't go quarterback at two and Hooker and and or Levis is there at 12, maybe they take in there and then all five quarterbacks are gone. How does everybody respond to that? Or if they're not gone and everybody passes on a couple of those quarterbacks, how far if Levis and Hooker don't go 11 or 12, how far do they fall? Do they fall to Detroit? If they don't go quarterback, do they go at 18? Does Minnesota take one at 23 to, to take over right. for Kirk Cousins, right? If they don't, who trades up into the back half of the second round? Like, those it's all about the quarterbacks, right? Those inflection points are all influenced by where those top five quarterbacks are going to go. I expect them all to go in the first round Thursday night. It's just a matter of where
0: pound for pound. Give me your top three guys in the draft, just forget position, forget need. Who are the three best football players that we're going to hear called? Thursday the three night. Best
1: football players in this draft are Will Anderson Jr., Jalen Carter, and Bijan Robinson. Those are the three guys at the top of my board. Um, Bryce Young is right after that. But the, the top three best football players in this draft—that those are those guys. Again, Bijan Robinson throw position out the window. If you're just talking about him in a vacuum as a football player, he's one of the three best football players in this draft. He's not going to go that high. Might not go top ten or even top twenty because teams are confident they can get running backs that can produce in the later rounds. But man imagine him still being on the board and ending up in dallas or buffalo or cincinnati one of these teams that's already ready to win a super bowl and then they add that guy to the backfield even if you don't even give him a second contract you just give him for five years when this window that you have open man that would be scary thing to see but um but those those are my guys
0: all right, as you know, uh, Luke and the the football nerds like you and I know, most teams don't. You don't win a championship by who you pick in the first round. Typically, it's who you pick in round two through five, two through six. Depth, the special teams guys, the core players of your team are drafted in those rounds. Give me a few guys in these second, third, fourth rounds that we're gonna see Friday, Saturday get picked that you just love, love them, and and they measurable wise they maybe don't fit the part, but they're just gonna be great football players for ten years.
1: Yeah, I love Julius Brent's corner from uh, from Kansas State. I think he should go in the first round. I don't know if he will. Uh, Dayon Henley, a linebacker from Washington State, I think is the best linebacker in this draft. I uh, don't think he comes off the board in the first round, but anytime on day two, I'd love to see him. I, I, I like him. Fred Warner from the 49ers, I think is his comp. He's that long, athletic, rangy. He's a converted wide receiver. I think he's a guy that can make a splash as a playmaker at the next level. Fred Warner was a third-round pick, too. Uh, so a similar range for him. And I think he could have a similar impact. The one guy that I, that I would stick out there is Clark Phillips. The third, he's a corner from Utah undersized guy who didn't really run really well at the combine. So people are thinking, Oh, he's small and he's not fast. What do I want him for? Please just go watch him play football, go watch him play football against some of the best teams and the best people he covered. He's always making picks. He's taking them to the house half the time, very instinctive slot corner. That that can play the run. He can tackle. He's a guy that, again, you can just throw the workouts out the window because when he's there playing football, he's one of the best football players in this draft. uh, And I think he could be a steal. If teams continue to wait on him and say, ah, he's too small, he's too slow. And he ends up on the board late in the second round, early third round. I think that's going to be a huge bargain for somebody.
0: And How much lines going on around the league this week? Is this, is this the number one week for everything. Everybody tell me. Don't believe the... a word.
1: Don't <laughs> believe a word of it. Any of it. Half <laughs> of it might be true. I don't care. Don't believe anything you hear. Just just look forward to the to Thursday night. Get your dinner plans set. Whatever you're going to eat. Get everything ready to go and get excited about the draft. Because nothing anybody is saying anytime at all this week is to do anything other than get their guy to get to them.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, we'll Luke Easterling, unbelievable work, man. You do a great job. Athlon sports. Find them uh, on online at Luke Easterling, Athlon at Athlon sports as well. Keep up the great work, man. We appreciate a few minutes and enjoy the draft. Hey, you too, Jason. Anytime, buddy. You got to appreciate it. Luke Easterling, Athlon sports, NFL draft preview. We'll be right back on the powers on sports podcast. Now a word from our partners at print and marketing solutions. As well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813 538 9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813 538 9572. And print and marketing solutions. My guy, Todd Tedesco, 813 498 2887. Todd's located on the corner of Line Ball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing s- specialists. Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Okay, hopefully you enjoyed Luke Easterling's analysis of the draft. We went over what GMs are thinking, what some teams are thinking, how teams go about evaluating players and such. Now I'm giving you my top 10. Top 10 picks Thursday night, Kansas City. Number one pick, Carolina on the clock. I think the consensus is most everybody believes Bryce Young will be the selection. And I will I will pencil in Bryce Young, Alabama to Carolina. Frank Reich and company, new regime in Carolina. I think that's a pretty easy one. One of the pivot points we talked with Luke about, the number two spot, Houston Texans. Do you go quarterback here at two? Remember, they also have the number 12 pick. Do you go quarterback at two? Or maybe you try to get a quarterback at 12? Potentially. All the chatter in the uh, around the league is that Houston probably will not take a quarterback at two. I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that as well. I'm gonna say, because again, if Houston wanted to take a quarterback, they have no disincentive not to um, to, to make that public at two. I'm gonna give them Tyree Wilson, defensive end. Texas Tech at number two. The debate was Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson. I'm going to go with the, the 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 some think the little more 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 long term uh, uh, potential there with Tyree Wilson. So I'm going Tyree Wilson, number two pick to the Houston Texans. Arizona on the clock at number three. Lots of most people think this pick could be very much in play to be traded. Um, I am not going to project any trades in my top ten. I'm going to, uh, if Arizona keeps the pick, I'm giving them Will Anderson, Alabama defensive end. Again, you very easily could see a trade here. Somebody could trade up to get one of the quarterbacks, uh, and Arizona could probably, you potentially could drop down to, you know, somewhere else, a, a lower spot in the top ten. But I'm, I'm giving Will Anderson to Arizona at number three here. Number four pick, Indianapolis Colts. Again, they are very much in the quarterback business. C.J. Stroud still available. Will Levis? I think if it's C.J. Stroud versus Will Levis, I think they're going. I think they're going to take C.J. Stroud. I think the just more production, more natural feel at the quarterback position. I know there's some questions about C.J. Stroud. You know, I know he had a bad test score on one of the the, the, the tests he took. I know Will Levis is allegedly a very smart guy who care. You know. I think if you look at the football film, I think C.J. Stroud's the better player. I'm going to give C.J. Stroud to Indianapolis Colts at number four. Uh, Remember, new coach Shane Steikens, the new coach in Indianapolis, came from Philadelphia. Give me C.J. Stroud at number four. Number five, this is the hardest pick of the top ten for me, Seattle Seahawks. Do you draft your quarterback of the future, potentially, in Anthony Richardson? Do you take defense? You got Jalen Carter still there. This is the hardest pick for me uh, on the board. I'm going to say Anthony Richardson, at number five to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, gives him time. You have Geno Smith, who you just resigned for a couple of years, so there's no pressure to have to play Anthony Richardson. Uh, and again, I think Richardson is the, probably the biggest wild card in the draft about potentially what he could be, what he could be in three years. Uh, if you give him time to learn the NFL game, mature a little bit, uh, and also, uh, again, learn to be a professional and all that stuff at the, at the NFL level. So I'm going to give Anthony Richardson to the Seattle Seahawks. If Richardson does not go to number five, then it'll be very interesting to see where he does go because you got some other spots potentially that he could go um, you have so if if he gets past Tennessee at number eleven, which I would not anticipate, but if he gets past number eleven in Tennessee, don't be surprised if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers jump up and make a big move to go get a, potentially go get Anthony Richardson if he were to get past eleven. So, but I'm giving Richardson to, to Seattle at number five, number six, Detroit Lions. I'm gonna give Jalen Carter to the Detroit Lions again. A lot of people think he might be pound for pound the best player in the draft. Uh, you know, some uh, he had the off the field incident. And he had the issue with not showing up to his pro day in shape. But again, I think from a talent perspective, I think they're gonna. I think Detroit is continues to build that defense. They acquired some guys in free agency. So I'm gonna give Jalen Carter to pair up with Aiden Hutchinson to the Detroit Lions at number six, number seven. Las Vegas Raiders definitely have a defensive need. Corner is huge for them. Uh, there's two corners on the board: Witherspoon and Gonzalez. I'm gonna give Las Vegas Christian Gonzalez a corner from uh, on, on the defensive end there for Las Vegas remember they just they just went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo so they're not as desperate as in the quarterback business as they might have been. Um, this could be a spot potentially if um, Anthony Richardson fell potentially you could maybe think about but Vegas desperately needs defense. Uh, so I'm giving them Gonzalez the corner for Las Vegas. Number eight, Atlanta Falcons. Um, again, depending if a guy like Richardson were to fall, he could potentially be there. Uh, Bijan Robinson is potentially a uh, talking point here for Atlanta. But I'm going to give them Witherspoon, the other corner, uh, the other top-notch corner here to, to shore up that defense a little bit. Um, I'm going to give him at number eight. You heard Luke uh, Easterling talk about the depth at corner. He thinks this is a great corner draft. So I'm going to give Witherspoon to the Atlanta Falcons at number eight. They seem to like Desmond Ritter a little bit, uh, but I'm giving them number eight. I'm giving them Witherspoon on uh, defensive corner. Number nine, Chicago Bears. Again, year three of Justin Fields. They need offensive line help. I'm going to give them Paris Johnson, the left tackle from Ohio State. They need to shore up that offensive line. Uh, he Fields got hit just too much in order to develop that passing game more. Uh, they acquired some guy. They acquired, remember, they got the guy as part of the trade with Carolina. They got DJ Moore. They acquired Chase Claypool last year. They have Darnell Mooney. So I think, uh, I think offensive line is where Chicago has to go here. I'm going I'm to give them Paris, Johnson, left tackle, Ohio State at number 9. And the number 10 pick, the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, Philly uh, has lost some guys. They are aging on defense. They got plenty of offensive weapons. I'm going to give them number 10 pick in the draft. I'm going to give them a versatile guy. A guy that could that could rush the pass or at potentially defensive end a little bit. A guy that can be a linebacker. I'm going to give them Nolan Smith, Georgia. They need, they need some youth on the defensive side of the ball. They're getting old on defense. Give them Nolan Smith, Georgia linebacker at number 10 to Philadelphia. Um, so there you have my top 10. Young, Wilson, Anderson, Stroud, Richardson, Carter, Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Johnson, and Nolan Smith is who I have going in the top ten. Barring any trades, there probably will be a there probably be at least one trade. There could be some swapping of a couple spots here. Indianapolis could easily move up from four to two, four to three, something like that to get their quarterback. Uh, but but uh, that's how I see the top ten going here in the NFL draft. Enjoy the draft again. Find us on Twitter at JPO Sports. Love to hear your comments. If you haven't already, remember hit that hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform that you are listening to us on. We appreciate it. And remember, you can you can go to my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel, and find the video interview with myself and Luke Easterling uh, previewing the draft here that you just heard. So. Thanks for finding us. Tell a friend. We'd love to hear from you. And enjoy the NFL draft. See you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another no quarter given podcast and make sure for the best in historical buck coverage you go to buckpower.com and as always keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network